Hello and welcome back to the Growing To Be Me podcast. I'm so excited to be bringing this episode to you. Um, as you can see from the title, the guest for this episode is Sarah Blake and she talks all about hormones and her own journey through it as well. And there is so much, so much juicy information in this podcast for anyone who has a womb and would like some more insight on you know, just how to live cyclically, um, but also just some pointers on how to get started. Um, so this conversation was incredible and I'm so, so just feeling very honored to be able to share this with you because I know quite a few of you in my audience or even just friends um, who struggle with hormonal imbalances um, or just their relationship with their room space. So I'm really, really, really honored to have had Sarah speak on this podcast and I hope you love it just as much as I do. And please drop me a message to let me know what you think. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts and message Sarah as well. And yeah, enjoy. Hello and welcome, Sarah Blake. Oh my God. Thank you for having me. <laughs> tell us, tell us about yourself. Yeah, so I am a writer and a cyclical living guide, and I also work with um, women business owners on their creative processes and being more in flow in their lives and businesses. Um, I deeply believe that our relationships with our bodies influence all areas of life. So something that is really important in my work is helping women understand their cycles because that's one aspect of our bodies that many of us just don't have the knowledge about that we really deserve. And um, a lot of the time that shifts so much because when we understand our bodies better, we just show up differently. And something that I think is really exciting with our cycles too, is we get to embrace more phases of ourselves and being different facets of our, you know, personality and our expression. And so um, that's what I do now. I don't know if you want me to share kind of like how I got here. Yes, or... of, course, of course, of course. <laughs> okay, amazing. So there are two kind of pathways. Um, first of all, I always wanted to be a writer. I always knew that I wanted to have like a creative job. And I saw myself as a little kid writing lots of stories and kind of just imagining myself as a writer. And so that was a track I always knew I wanted to follow. Um, I ultimately pursued a creative writing master's in university and like that's still very much my thing. But at the same time as a teenager, um, I had a bit of a hormonal health crisis. So I was very much a high achiever kind of person and I have put a lot of pressure on myself around not just my achievement and performance, but also my body and how I looked and how I, you know, how I appeared to others, how I came across. And so long story short, this sort of history of um, having a really bad relationship with food, a very restrictive relationship with my body led to me losing my cycle for a year. Wow. And when it first happened, I didn't really... I didn't really care. Cause I was like, Oh, cool. No periods. Awesome. Like it just didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind that that was not a good thing because in our culture, we sort of see periods as a drag. So I was like, Oh, I don't have to deal with this. Awesome. Uh, but then it got to a point where I told my mom and she sort of said, uh, no, this is not normal. Especially because I was like 17. It wasn't like a lot of us, when we're first getting our cycles, we're, it's a little bit irregular. It's kind of touch and go. But by that point, it was like, no, I should have had a more regular cycle by then. We worked with a few different practitioners. I actually had to be put on progesterone therapy at the start just to like get my cycle back. And then what really came out of it, though, that that was like just the foundation below all of the tests and ultrasounds and things was just my family doctor saying, I think you need to eat more. Like, I think you just need to, you know, nourish your body. And it was a hard lesson because at the time I was like, but I'm like, my body looks the best ever. And like, I feel like I'm just the appearance that I've always wanted. The appearance of someone who really has their life together. Cause I was working so hard and doing all these things. 
So the next few years, I had to unlearn all that programming because ultimately I was not healthy. Like I had a really slow heart rate and low blood pressure, which my doctor said were all signs that my body was like, just trying to conserve energy because it knew it wasn't receiving enough energy to kind of sustain itself. So long story short, went through this whole healing journey with my cycle and my relationship with my body and food and just like movement and work and all of the things. And when I started to discover all these women online who were talking about like feminine energy and flow and bringing like play and pleasure into your life instead of the structured, like achievement, hit all your goals. It was so eye-opening to me. And through some of these, uh, online, like I guess coaches and mentors that I was following, I found out about Elisa Vitti, who teaches about cycles and especially about balancing cycles. Do you know her? Yes, I do. I actually do. Yeah. I, I got her book. Um, oh my God, what is it called? Woman Code. The yes. Woman Code, and I've re- recommended it to so many of my friends who struggle with hormonal imbalances. Um, so yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she was my gateway to this whole, uh, well, she was more, she was she wasn't really the gateway. Like there were definitely other people before, but she was the specifically like more hormonal health gateway that opened me up to this reality that not only were there ways to work with your cycle through food and just all these natural healing ways, but also like just reminded me that the reason I, and ultimately what I noticed was so many people around me, so many of my friends and peers had hormonal issues is because our society is set up in a way that's like not friendly to cycling bodies and actually puts us in a lot of distress and imbalance. Um, and because we've just accepted it as a norm, it's like, we don't, we don't think that that's not how it, that's not how it should be. We just think, Oh, that we just have to put up with it. So now ultimately, you know, I started an online business as a copywriter, but it evolved into this cyclical Uh, living and working guidance kind of business, because I just realized that that was more my story to share. Like that was more my medicine. I can write about these things. And in that way, I get to share my writing freely and I get to share my story. But the work that I was really here to do was to support women. So I launched my first cycles program in uh, August. I think it was 2020. And then this whole, like from 2020 to now has been this journey of really claiming this as my identity and realizing like, even though I'm not a medical practitioner, I'm not a nutritionist, I don't have any of those um, qualifications. What I do know is like the lived experience of coming into alignment with your cycle. And then because of my writing background, I bring all of this information about creativity and work and um, as well to it. So it's kind of a unique niche, but Um, I just, I love what I do and I get to share things that feel so natural because it's so tied to my identity and my like path, which is so exciting to be able to do as, as your like work in the world. (laughs) Wow. That is, that is so incredible because I think just like everything that you said, there's just like so many things that came to mind, what that came to mind when you were speaking. Like I remember um, when I first heard of pills, like the pill, but the one that skips your period, like pretty much like just doesn't make you have a period. I remember hearing someone speak about it and they were like, oh, I'm so glad. I mean, I still get the PMS, but I'm so glad that I don't have to deal with the period. And I kind of, that was like kind of like an awakening point for me when I heard that, because I was like, I get that there's so much shame around period. And I guess, you know, we, we kind of put it to the back. Like I remember, I don't even really remember having my period like years ago because I would just kind of brush it off, just be like, okay, like it's there, but you kind of just get on with it. Just like put a tampon in, use a pad. And then that's it. You don't really think about it. You're not present when it's happening. You kind of just completely separate yourself from that. And I think when I heard that, I was just like, it was just like, it was like five years ago or something. I heard someone say that and I was like, but I don't think that's natural. Like, is that, a, like, <laughs> what, what is like, what is your take on that? Because I, I don't even know what that does to your body, but that didn't sound healthy to me. Yeah. So the pill and these different forms of, especially hormonal birth control, um, the reality is I, I never want to want to shame women for using those solutions. But the thing is, we were just not taught the whole picture. You know what I mean? Like, 
And so the reality is we just think, oh, you can just turn this bodily function off with no consequences without really understanding what's going on. Mm -hmm. The thing that's very troublesome about the pill especially is that it turns off ovulation and ovulation, which is like our, you know, our fertile time is the only way that our bodies can make progesterone. Like we have to ovulate to make progesterone and progesterone is extremely important for our brain health, bone health, our nervous system, our organs. And even though it can seem like a really good fix in the moment, um, the long-term health consequences are, are not good. Like there are, you can have, you know, more of a chance of arthritis, um, a lot of people even just find that being on the pill, their moods already shift. So the thing is we have to understand, and, and this is the problem with the whole manufacturing of a lot of these products that are supposedly supposed to make women's lives better is like, we were never told the root issue. We're just told this like band-aid fix. And honestly, maybe this is a hot take, but part of what I see it is a way to make women more like men in the sense of like more able to keep up with the like masculine paradigm of, of energy and work. And, uh, it's, it's just something to be aware of, like what's really happening in your body and why this function that is really, you know, crucial to our long-term health, why it's just been, you know, you can just take that away, like just thrown aside, especially when we think about the fact that the menstrual cycle hasn't really been studied in depth by traditional medicine, like in the, or not by traditional medicine, but by conventional medicine, like in science journals and things like that. Um, it only started really being studied in the 1900s. So we had uh, traditions and wisdoms from cultures around naturally, you know, dealing with our cycles and ways that women would you know, communally gather and kind of support each other and herbal remedies and all these things. But in terms of data, we only have like maybe around a hundred years of data on the menstrual cycle. But what's so interesting is also in the 19th century, all these like hormonal forms of birth control came up. So it's like, we were creating all of these medications and different solutions before we actually had all the data we needed about what was happening. Mm -hmm. And so it's just something to be aware of that there, these are really new phenomenon, phenomena, <laughs> and um, to make sure that you do your research about what's going on in your body before you kind of decide on a, uh, on one of those options. Yeah. Wow. It's so like, I, I personally have not really had many issues in terms of um, hormones or regular periods and stuff like that. So I've been quite lucky because when I dropped the pill a few years ago as well, I was quite lucky to notice the difference because I, I felt like um, I felt like the pill was making me so much more anxious and it was taking mm. a hit on my mental health. Um, just because I only realized that because I came off of it for a while and went back on it for like a few months and I was like, oh my God, like what is going on? And then came straight back off it again. Um, but I've never had, I've never particularly used it for a reason. Like so many women go for it for, I don't know, acne and pain and PCOS. Um, and I know quite a few people in my circle who use it for that reason, um, but like you said, like, I think there's still not enough information about our circle and I feel, I, I feel a circle cycle. And I feel like I have learned so much, even just from following you. I'm like, oh my gosh, like you, you can do different things in your different phases. Like what? Like you don't like what? Like I just, it blows my mind that we're not taught this. It blows my mind that we're not taught about our bodies in this way, because I feel like we live in it. We have every right to know more about it yet where no one tells us anything and oh my god this is like a whole big conversation um but like in comparison to men's cycles like what what do you what what are the differences like could you explain a little bit more about that yes I love this okay so one of the things that I loved you said was men's cycles because a lot of people think that women have cycles and men don't 
and we, and they do, but their cycle is a 24 hour cycle. So they have fluctuations in their testosterone levels throughout the day. And if you think about corporate culture, we see that typically um, a lot of businesses like kind of start early in the morning and you have a lot of your meetings in the morning and then you sort of do your own solo work and wrap up at the end of the day. And that, and also when we see health advice, a lot of the advice we see is like, get up and do your workout first thing and like get all this stuff done in the morning. And for some people that works, I actually am more of a morning person, but that doesn't mean my energy is the same every day. So that whole paradigm uh, is in alignment with the testosterone cycle. It's in in alignment with uh, male bodies having high testosterone in the morning. And then it kind of dipping and dipping and rising sort of throughout the day and then being at lowest in the evening. So we all have a circadian rhythm that affects our sleep. So we can still, as females, like we can still relate to that 24 hour, like a lot of us do find we're maybe more energized in the day and then we want to sleep at night. That's still, you know, something that we experience, but we also have an infradian rhythm, which is uh, many days cycle. So, you know, I could say 28 days, but not everybody's on a 28 day cycle and that's fine. Um, and in that cycle, we have different phases. So we all know that our period is obviously one phase because that's a very significant change that happens in your life. You're bleeding. Typically our energy is lower. And then most of us experience after our periods, our energy starts to rise again. And we just feel a little bit lighter. Um, and that's the follicular phase when our, um, when our estrogen is rising in that contributes to higher energy, also contributes to better memory, better motor control, um, and easier ability to grasp new concepts. Like our brain is kind of primed for creative work. And then we peak at ovulation. So ovulation is this time when our estrogen and testosterone are high. And that combination allows us to be very, want to be very visible, social, outgoing, We have this kind of natural magnetism because of the estrogen, but what's cool is the testosterone, which is often seen as a more of a male hormone, allows us to be like go-getters. Like we can just kind of say, this is what I want and you get it. You know, I love telling my clients to, to plan launches and sales around their ovulation time because it just feels good. It feels like you want to express yourself and you're also very open and receptive because of the estrogen allowing you to just be magnetic and seen and sort of like, cause it's your fertile time, right? You're literally magnetic. And then after ovulation, our hormone, our uh, estrogen drops and progesterone starts to rise and kind of becomes the key player, even though estrogen and testosterone are still part of this luteal phase. Progesterone is by far the more dominant hormone and progesterone is such an undervalued hormone because a lot of people find that with PMS symptoms, they don't like their luteal phase, they feel more tired. But the reality is a lot of PMS isn't about progesterone. It's about a certain imbalance between progesterone and estrogen. And when progesterone is is balanced with estrogen and it's like moving properly, functioning properly, it calms our nervous system. It helps us to do really focused work and higher level thinking. So this is a time when I would tell my clients to do more analytical uh, work, like kind of that behind the scenes stuff. If you have a business and you're, if you need to be organizing something, it's such a great time to do that organizational work and even doing it around the home. A lot of us find that we experience just a desire to like clean and organize and nest at this time, which is really fun. So it's a good time to plan those kinds of tasks. And so that energy is all about like, if our, if our uh, follicular and ovulatory phase are about like doing things and getting out there by the luteal phase, we're turning back in towards ourselves as we're preparing for another resting period during our menstrual phase. So we can see that there's like a very logical flow. There's like, we're outward and then we come back in to be, you know, well-resourced and rested. And then we go outward again, and then we come back in. And the problem is our culture expects us to just be outward and doing things all the time and really undervalues our resting and recuperating. And so part of the big shift with cycles is just getting into the mindset that your rest and your inner work and your work at home and just like inner smaller circle is as valuable and necessary for your sustainability as the more outward 
um, active work. Wow. That, that is, oh, I remember I, I used your guide as well from your website and like, it's, it's so honestly, it helped me so much understand. It's very mind blowing how it can work like that because I myself used to be a do, 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 do person. And like, it's only been in the last year where I've been like, oh, wow, like I can finally pay attention to what's actually happening in my body. Um, like everything that you just said right now is so, so incredibly valuable and people are probably listening are like oh my god like wow I didn't know this um but I also know that there's so many people out there who are probably working a nine-to-five job who are thinking but I don't have the space to fit this in like I can't revolve my life around that what would you say to them Mm, yes okay this is such a great question. And I actually love brainstorming about this with people who have, you know, nine to five jobs where they don't fully plan their tasks for the day. So the number one thing I would say is to plan all of your self-care and the way you support your energy around your cycle. So even if in your work day, you have certain tasks you have to do, well, how are you taking care of yourself in the mornings and evenings, right? So this could look like maybe in your ovulation phase after work, it feels really good to go get dinner with friends, but maybe in your menstrual phase after work, you want to just go home, watch a movie or something, take a bath and like go to bed early. There are also foods that we can look at to support ourselves through different phases. So this is one of the things I do in a, in my program flow create, we work with a nutritionist because understanding that, for example, after ovulation, your body burns more calories. So, so many of us are like, oh, why am I so hungry before my period? It's like your body literally is burning more calories, like even up to a thousand more. Yes. I know. (laughs) I had no idea. I was literally thinking about this. Like when I, when I last had PMS, I was like, why am I always so hungry? Like, I just want to eat like the whole kitchen. (laughs) And those cravings we're taught when we have cravings, we have to have better self-control. You know, no, your body needs this. And in fact, if you ignore those signs from your body, you could be setting yourself up for hormonal imbalances. Mm. Our hormones are built from fats. So eating like healthy fats and making sure we get enough food in our systems, because part of the other thing is when we're going between like being really starving and then eating and then really hungry, and we're putting ourselves in that almost survival mode, which is what I was in when I lost my period and your nervous system doesn't feel safe because it doesn't feel well-nourished. That's a recipe for hormonal disaster. Mm. And so we have to reprogram our brains to realize like we need to prioritize nourishment and rest and play in those phases where we want to be more outgoing and just have fun and expressive because all of those make up the pieces of the puzzle. So I would say, Um, working on your nutrition to make sure you're getting foods that support every phase. Um, And this is something that I can talk about further, but we can also, you can also just look up articles. I mean, there are articles about that from different nutritionists about what to eat. Woman Code has a whole list of foods um, in the book that are really supportive for each phase. Um, Exercise. So not pushing yourself unnecessarily in those phases when you have lower energy, it actually can hurt your progress because your body is more primed in your high energy phases to like burn uh, energy and build muscle. And in some of those low energy phases, it's your natural recovery time. So like, you don't have to go run a marathon in your menstrual phase. You can, if that's really your thing. And of course, if you're an athlete, like maybe that's just part of your life. But for most of us who make our own decisions about how we move our bodies, like making sure that you're aligning that with your energy, just so that your body still feels really safe and doesn't feel over overstressed. Managing stress in the ways that feel good to you. Um, stress is one of the biggest causes of hormonal imbalances. And a lot of us, when we're stressed or we need to work, we uh, either overwork, we grab another coffee, right? Which increases our stress because it increases our cortisol because we're like, we have to do more. We got to work faster. And like, don't get me wrong. I love a good cup of coffee, but I've really had to learn not to have like multiple cups throughout the day because it's just creating that stress response over and over. Or we grab sugar or something fast because we don't have time to really nourish ourselves. And again, another way that we can send our hormones out of whack. So really the foundation of your hormonal health and cyclical living is just the way you take care of yourself. 
and building rituals for different phases, like having more reflective downtime in your menstrual phase and having um, something I shared with the women in my program yesterday in your ovulation phase, when you feel more outgoing, take a little extra time getting ready, right? Like choose an outfit and choose things that help you feel more expressed to really just honor that time when you do feel more magnetic. These are all the things that are the foundation. The work, that's a bonus, right? Like that's stuff that is awesome if you can do, but in terms of the wellness and feeling really whole and well in your body and throughout your cycle, it's all the self-care. So that's really, that's really the thing that I suggest everyone starts with. Wow. Wow. Well, that is, wow. I'm just like listening to you. I'm like, oh my God, like, (laughs) (laughs) I, I'm really interested though. Um, cause I like, I know I'm mentioning a lot of my experience, but I just feel like so much of what you're saying is resonating because, um, I like the more I've started to look into my cycle um I have also kind of started shifting the way that I look at it so I noticed I noticed that I have for example I have um when I have had a stressful or more emotionally intense month my menstrual phase is a lot more intense and I can feel but I've started to look at this instead of being oh ow like I have cramps like this is really frustrating I'm gonna um you know, just avoid it or ignore it. I try to look at it as my body is releasing what I've just gone through. Um, is this something like, is this something that resonates with you? Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I love that. And I also think like, um, I always see symptoms that we have as invitations. Mm -hmm. So if you have a headache, what is that inviting you to do? right? Yesterday I had a headache and I was telling uh, the women in my program flow create, um, cause I was explaining to them about tracking their cycle. And I said, look, I have a headache today. That's an invitation for me to go to bed earlier. Right. <laughs> it's like when you have cramps, that's an invitation for you to, like you said, it's, it's a release and it's an invitation to like also reflect and look at, well, what was there in your month that maybe set you on this path? And of, you know, experiencing these cramps and what would you, sorry, I have a siren. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We have a fire station, like just up the street. Um, what, what would you like to reflect on so that you maybe put in some more boundaries or supports in the coming cycle Mm -hmm. so that you know, like what, what you kind of need. And it's all the thing I actually love about cycles, but maybe doesn't resonate with people who like things to be very like black and white and structured is that it's, it's a, it's an ongoing relationship, right? Like I still have some months where I'm like, oh, my period's a little rough. And like, I used to feel guilty when I was first starting this work because I thought I should be the poster child for like a perfect cycle. But then I was like, oh, actually that's just part of more of the linear, like, you know, very structured black and white thinking that I'm like not about at all. And so now what I look at it as is just this relationship, this opportunity to relate with my, to my body as a communication. And I really see all the different symptoms and signs we have as an invitation to consider uh, something that you need and to be okay with having needs. You know, so many of the women I work with are like, have put everybody else before themselves for so long. But then what happens is their energy is so out of whack or they're experiencing all these symptoms. They actually can't show up the way they want to anyway. And so I'm like, okay, where, where can we find this balance where you're taking enough time for yourself to feel really good and grounded so that then you can show up in the way that's actually the most valuable for your family, your kids, your um, clients, your community. Um, And it's just about like really that mindset shift of freeing yourself so that you can create the things in your life that really support you without that guilt of like, oh, I shouldn't do that because I should be paying attention to this person's needs or maybe this person, uh, you know, is more important than me. It's like getting out of that paradigm entirely and recognizing that we, oh my goodness, what's going on? There's another fire truck. <laughs> recognizing that we, um, that we need to be in good health to do anything. Like we need to feel good in our bodies to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. I think it starts with us. I think we're, because like you say, like we, 
we are taught to live in such a linear way like things that have to be black and white and our energy is so like we play we have this habit of placing our energy outside of us so yeah. so much that we just focus on everything that's around us rather than turning inwards but then you know especially for anyone with a womb like we are literally givers of life like we yeah. we literally have the power to create life within ourselves and externally as well and if we don't take care of that part of ourselves how are we supposed to give like I I have actually noticed that I have become more creative by just being able to turn inwards and nourishing that that side of me rather than sticking to that very linear way of living that we have literally been swooped in um, automatically from the moment that we're born yeah. Yeah. And I think also it's like, you know, it's so interesting. We have these, we have this relationship with structure that I find uh, very strange because ultimately, okay, first of all, when you're living from a place of feeling like very forced and, and having all these structures that just sort of restrict you, that's not good. But when you have structures that support you, because that's what I actually believe structure does is to support you, for example, by saying like, and structure, just boundaries is another way of looking at it. But I've had times where like my fiance, for example, is like, oh, do you want to go do this? And I just say, no, you know, I'm in a lower energy phase and I would rather go to bed early and just, you know, and just knowing like some people could see that as restriction, but it's coming from a place of me knowing what's best for me. So that's how I see structure is like a way to feel more supportive. It's like building this um, you know, bed or, or something underneath you that just like supports you. So I think it's just important to see that when we're able to say no, when we're able to have less, because that's something we're all scared of, because it's like the scarcity of missing out on opportunities, missing out on time, whatever. But ultimately, when we have less, we get to create more of what's really important and what is really our work here to do. I love that because you're building you're literally building a relationship with yourself and if you continuously like you said like you you're betraying yourself by not respecting your own boundaries and you keep pushing and pushing and pushing which is something that a lot of us have to learn the hard way yeah with hormones um I was wondering how does it connect to the nervous system because Mm -hmm. I know that you know I notice my mood changes a lot but we also very much in our society as soon as you're an angry woman people go are you on your period and like I very much hate that saying because it's just so it's so unnecessary um but that's not the point I'm just asking you how how is it connected to our nervous system like how can we fuel that as well and how can we get rid of like those myths around it because I think a lot of the time women struggle to even speak up because they don't want to hear stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I'll start by saying I'm not an expert in the nervous system, although I am learning more about um, trauma and regulating our nervous systems in a certification that I'm in. So I'm still new to this, but through my program and through working with the nutritionist um, who is a very good, like, I don't know if she calls herself trauma informed, but uh, very like nervous system aware practitioner, I've kind of picked up some things and also just understanding the way hormones interact with other neurotransmitters. So the first, the number one thing is that like our hormones, um, our hormones, especially our like reproductive, like our sex hormones, basically. So estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, um, are dependent on us feeling safe in our bodies because they're all about reproduction, right? And our bodies are designed to not reproduce when we're experiencing a lot of stress because it doesn't make sense for our for us to bring life into the world, like you were saying, mm-hmm. under a very high stress condition. Um, what's so interesting is my grandmother, who was in World War II in England, she had like a 10-month pregnancy because she just, her body would not let go of the baby until like way later than was normal. And apparently that happened a lot because our bodies are wise. Mm. They don't want to bring things into the world when we feel unsafe because they know it's not sustainable. So the number one connection is that your uh, ovulation 
And just your hormones will not function cyclically in a normal way if you're in a very high stress, like fight or flight response. So the more you live in a dysregulated state, the less likely it is that your hormones are going to kind of cycle through normally. And this is something that, that I definitely experienced. Um, another thing to note is that our hormones interact with neurotransmitters like dopamine, serotonin, cortisol, oxytocin, like they're all uh, related. And because they're all chemical messengers, they also send messages to each other. So as an example, estrogen and cortisol are actually friends in the sense that estrogen and stress kind of like each other. They're both stimulant uh, chemicals. And so what can actually happen is that when people have an estrogen imbalance, like estrogen dominance, it could be because the cortisol is helping keep estrogen high instead of allowing estrogen to fall and progesterone to come through. Whereas because progesterone is more of a calming hormone, um, it is like an, it is literally an anti-anxiety hormone. So we have an anti-anxiety chemical like built into our system, which is so, so cool, right? But it's not gonna, it's going to fight with cortisol. So if we have too much stress, it's not gonna be able to come through or it's not gonna be able to come through enough. And this is when people experience estrogen dominance or other hormonal imbalances. Um, so that's another thing to note is just understanding the way that you know, your hormones do influence your neurotransmitters. And for a lot of us, this is why we feel like in our follicular and ovulatory phase, we feel more happy, right? Because we, it, uh, estrogen also increases our levels of serotonin and our serotonin receptors, which receptors, which are all kind of like happiness, feel good chemicals. The problem is that's great, but it shouldn't be our reality the whole month. We actually need a balance between the stimulating hormones and then the calming hormones, because that's just how our cycles work. And it's really important to make sure we're flushing estrogen out of our bodies so that we can cycle properly and not have excess uh, estrogen, which also impacts our gut health and our liver health. And then that influences the nervous system. So we're such a holistic system. And ultimately when people are like, oh, this stuff is so confusing. I'm like a lot of the conventional wisdom about like getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, eating whole foods, that's hormone health because our guts, our brains, our bodies, our energy, like they all work together. So if you're, if you know, there's something you're doing, that's making part of your body not feel good. Um, it's probably also influencing your hormones because they all, it all interacts. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to say about the nerve. Oh yes. And then your part about people feel women feeling like unsafe to kind of express, uh, express themselves. Yeah. So that's another piece. Um, so let me see. So one of the things that progesterone supports us with, because it supports our analytical and critical brain is it supports us with critical thinking. Now, the issue is critical thinking is awesome when you're like problem solving, but critical thinking is also finding problems in yourself <laughs> or in other people. And so one thing I just want everyone to be aware of is if you find yourself uh, feeling more like pissed off or like this is going to crap, like everything's falling apart. Da, 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 it's actually just your critical brain is finding issues um, naturally because that part of your brain is really stimulated. So what I always suggest is funnel that critical thinking into things that will be supportive for you, right? Like if you're dealing with an issue, funnel it and channel it into something that you need to use that energy for. Because ultimately that part of our brains is one of the highest, uh, highest energy taking parts of our brains. Like critical and problem solving takes a lot of energy. It actually takes a lot of glucose, which is like sugar. So when we're using that part of our brains, you can't do it all day. So if you funnel it into things that will help you like actually problem solving or actually figuring out boundaries that support you instead of turning it towards yourself, which is the thing that I see a lot of women do, it's just, you just need to find a good, a good direction for it. Now, in terms of uh, when you find it affecting your relationships, like I have a, um, a client right now who's like, oh, I just become such a bitch to my partner. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> First of all, 
Um, what are the, think about like, what are the things that come up? Like, what are the arguments you have? Are there recurring arguments? Because then maybe there's just actually something wrong and you're just getting annoyed because there's an issue that hasn't been resolved. Or maybe it's an opportunity for you to release expectations around something because maybe you think X, Y, Z should be happening, but actually that's just because your three best friends have X, Y, Z, but you don't really care about it, but you've kind of adopted it from them. Like understanding when it's like, is this something I need to work on and problem solve? Or is this something that I can just let go of? And then the other thing to think of is your people around you and your, especially your partner, I would say, actually wants to see you in your full range. Like it's exciting to be in a relationship with someone who has depth and range. And so if you're going to bring out that archetype of more of the wild woman or whatever you want to call it in that time when you're feeling more critical, when you're feeling a little like you're seeing, you're seeing things and you want to call out problems, how can you embody that in a really healthy way and claim it? And even say, like I've said to my partner before, I'm in my luteal phase right now. I need to like talk about politics for a sec. Can you just let me rant? <laughs> and it just comes out and it's just, it's more of you, right? And the people you love want more of you. If they don't, they don't really love you, right? So well, how is that an opportunity for you to express this new version of yourself and discover with the people around you what's there? Because there could be so many gifts from that energy that you just don't even know if you don't fully allow yourself to explore it. Wow, that is so, so true. Oh my gosh. I, I've noticed I've taken so much from, from the guide and from everything that you shared. And I think like, it's so, it's so different when you start working with that, because I remember I used to really force myself to like film, film reels, write posts, like on a like daily basis. And when I started doing those things only in my high energy phases, like the energy is completely different. Plus you have, you just feel there's so much more belief in yourself and like it's such a crucial I don't know it's been such a crucial part of like my month to like stick to that and be like okay right now I can fully like share myself because this is like when I feel my best in a sense yeah and it's more efficient right because you're not like oh now I have to do this and I have to get organized and you're so slow because you don't really want to do it and like that's the whole message of flow is like some people think flow is just like, oh, you're floating on a cloud. Mm -hmm. But the way I like to look at it is flow is motion. Yeah. Like you can't have flow unless you're in motion. The ocean is flowing. Mm -hmm. Force, on the other hand, is like that stagnant energy. Mm -hmm. So what, when, you're, when you feel like things are really resistant, that's actually probably when you're more stagnant. That's when you maybe think you're being busy or productive, but you're probably not because you're probably not doing things in the most streamlined way, in the, in the way that really has the most efficiency and impact. And so when we connect to those times when we can do things in our phases that naturally feel good, we just, it just comes and we produce what we need to produce. And then we get to hang out and chill because we do it so much faster. Like I've shared a few times on my Instagram stories, how I can batch like 12 reels in a morning, no problem because I'm feeling good. And then I don't think about it for a month. And it's like, wow, that was amazing. So um, just realizing that when it can be scary to think about not grinding the way we're used to, but when you try it, you realize, oh yeah, this is actually a lot more efficient anyway. <laughs> wow. There's, there's actually like, as you were speaking before something, another thing came through for me and um, I know I'm just bombarding you with all different topics, <laughs> but I love it. I, I was thinking, so, you know, it's the connecting to your cycle is essentially trust, learning to trust your body, learning to accept your body in the way that it flows. And I, I know a few people that struggle with infertility, and that's becoming a really, really difficult part for them to actually trust their body, which can put a lot of strain on someone. And I was wondering if there was anything that you would say to them. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I think we all need to, well, I need to be careful of in the way I'm speaking, but also we all need to be careful of when we're talking about cycles is recognizing that there's no perfect way to be in a body. So you, you can't look at someone who's like, 
oh, they have perfect 28 day cycles and they've been able to, you know, get pregnant whenever they wanted to or whatever else. And just say that that's, you know, perfect. Um, because that can be a standard we start to hold ourselves to. So for those of us who are, who are having different struggles with our bodies, um, with our reproductive systems, especially, hmm, it's an opportunity to see what really makes you feel good and whole in your life, because we cannot attach our worth to our ability to, to our fertility and our ability to do certain things that we think other people can do or that, or that others say we should do, even if it's a deep desire for us, you know, to be able to bring life into the world. It's, it starts with feeling worthy no matter what, right? And understanding, and this can take like, look, this is not just like, now just feel worthy. This can take therapy. This can take working with practitioners. This can take, you know, having coaches. And, and it also can take figuring out ways to maybe bring your body to a different place than it is now. And of course, like that's a whole journey in itself. But I really believe that when we start with this sense of our worth and feeling whole, whatever that means to you, whatever you need to just really feel like I am still a fully expressed, whole grounded human. And it doesn't take my achievements to, or, or whatever else to do that, then that is, that is just what, that's just ultimately what we all need. Right. And it's funny. I wrote a post this morning about how I was having a bit of trouble at the start of my most recent launch, which ended up being my like most successful launch. And it was only when I shifted to, you know what, however this goes, I'm still worthy. I trust that things are working out that like it started to shift. So not to say that it's a mindset issue if you're, if you're dealing with infertility or anything, but definitely shifting your perception of yourself can make things easier. Mm. So I think it's just like figuring out how can I connect back to that feeling of just, I am me and that's enough regardless is, is the core. Mm. Wow. That's so, so beautiful. Um, wow. I think many people can probably relate to that, even if they're going through hormonal imbalances or issues to kind of come back to, to that worth. Um, because I think, I think we're kind of, I don't know. I, I feel like as women, we're kind of set up to like naturally battle our bodies. Like from the moment yes. we're born, we're kind of stacked against our bodies and we're made to feel like everything's all the odds are stacked against us. Like we need all of 10,000 products to make us feel worthy um and that we should never mention our periods I remember walking every time I had my period and I needed to go to the bathroom I had to like I couldn't even say it I would like put my pad like down my sleeve and like run out and all those all those things where it just it makes it feel so uncomfortable to speak about something that is so incredibly natural and it's had such so much connotation with shame like there's so much shame around this whole topic that you know people don't talk we don't talk about periods we don't talk about infertilities we don't talk about um you know even abortions we don't talk about any of that like we just kind of put it away in a box label it and it feels kind of it's not shady but it feels like some sometimes when you speak about it in public it's like oh my god like don't don't talk about that like that's that's like something we don't talk about like put that under the table like we don't want to hear about it um so it's very interesting um you know to kind of look like I feel like I guess I guess what I'm kind of trying to get at is like why do you think we're not really taught about this like is it just because there's not enough information or um what 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 are your thoughts on that yeah. Um, well, I think, I mean, to be very fair to gender, to past generations, like, like we just, we just do understand the body more now than we did a hundred years ago. So even when I was saying about like, we didn't understand our cycles, like that seems like a big deal, but there's also so much we didn't understand about the body, about our mental health, about all of these things. So I think that we're still just making so much progress. And I just want to honor the fact that I'm sure there were people in past generations really trying to understand this and just didn't have the technology. Mm -hmm. But in terms of more of the cultural side, 
um, yeah, I think, I think there's a whole, the whole, there's a whole market on making us feel like we need stuff to, to function and to be worthy. Like you were saying, I think that's really the root of it. And maybe that too comes from an honest impulse to just like help people have better lives, but there's certainly ways that it gets twisted. And especially with certain medications and solutions that aren't really solutions at all, because they don't really get to the root of the problem. Um, there's this desire in our society to have quick fixes. And part of that comes from the fact that like naturally a lot of us do want that. And that's why this work can be a bit challenging and can challenge our perceptions of, um, yeah, just, just how we relate to ourselves and our productivity and our, and our work and our being. Um, we want things to be put in a nice, neat package, and then we don't have to worry about it. And really life is so much messier. And so I think it's just, um, there's a certain lack of patience in our world for working with each individual person to find a solution for them. It's a lot of energy. And also it comes from us believing that we deserve that. And many of us don't because we receive a lot of messages that we're not worthy of, you know, having, being heard and having time taken. Like how many times have you asked for, for help from someone and then been like, I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh. I hope this isn't bothering you. I hope it's not inconveniencing you. And it's like, there's a politeness factor, but it, it goes away beyond that. Like it's, we don't need to be apologizing so much. So I think there are multiple factors at play. And I think like you were saying, it, it starts with us just making one choice to not do our default. Like I was talking to one of my one-on-one -on -one clients about like, just do one thing this week different than you would normally so if you would normally be shy with someone, just have a conversation with them. If you normally wouldn't speak up at a meeting, just try it. You know, you won't die. Here's the other thing. We have been, um, our nervous systems want to, you know, we want to belong, right? Like, and that's a huge thing. And so it's easier for us to think if we just fit in, we won't cause trouble. And so we'll be able to be safe in the crowd. And it can feel like you're going to die when you first speak up and you haven't, it does. And it's just, that's a thing. Like it sounds intense, but that's how our bodies experience it. Our bodies experience, oh my gosh, am I going to be excluded from the tribe? Mm -hmm. And so, and then uh, with, for women, there's this whole added intergenerational, like past trauma of being like, you know, burned as a witch or something, you know? And so that's just part of our legacy too. And part of um, what we've had to overcome socially in, in evolving as a society to realize like, okay, we're safe to speak up. Even if people are mad at us, we won't die. We won't be killed, you know, and, and then just getting ourselves accustomed to that. So I think there are layers, but I really believe that it starts with just like one day doing something a little bit differently than what the version of you who wants to kind of hide would do. And then get, building up the tolerance in yourself to do that more and more. I certainly was terrified when I first started sharing about hormones and cycles and the word period and all that stuff. And I've written about that before. And it's like, now I'm like, I'm terrified of not doing it because I've seen how much people are craving it, desiring it, DMing me, asking about it. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like now I want to be even more and more bold and, um, even a bit polarizing. Like I totally see that my content isn't for everybody. Not everybody wants that perspective. That's fine. But just like saying what I think is true, because I know that there are so many people who need it. And that's what we often find when we start speaking up, it's like everybody else kind of comes out of the closet too. And they're like, Oh, I think that too. Oh, you, you believe that? Oh, oh my gosh. And so, yeah, it's just taking those first few actions. <laughs> wow. No, I love that. I totally agree. I think I think that's such a big part of um I don't want to call it awakening but it's kind of like becoming conscious of ourselves and the way that we live our lives very often comes with that because when I first stepped into a room of people that thought I like me I literally I, it was like someone slapped me and told me you're not crazy like and I think yeah. that's like one of the best things ever is when you can find someone to kind of relate to that is actually saying what you need to hear um and 
also saying what exactly what resonates with them and what might help them not feel a little less crazy basically um so totally yeah I totally resonate with everything that you said um but yeah is there anything that's coming up for you that you'd like to share Hmm. no I honestly think what you just said about not feeling crazy like that's such a theme that comes up in my conversations and in my work and with my clients is that everyone thinks their struggles like nobody's ever had that before they're broken they're the only ones who've ever had to deal with it and then I'm like yeah, uh, I could show you five other clients who've said the exact same thing to me. And it's just like normalizing it. Like, oh, because nobody talks about this, we deal with these things privately. And we have this sense of isolation mm-hmm. when more, more, more than likely the things that we feel the most, whether it's shame or just, you know, want to hide about ourselves are probably the things that like everybody else is experiencing mm-hmm. and just isn't talking about. So I think Uh, finding spaces where you are seen, whether it's just starting by following an Instagram account and just realizing, okay, this person, I'm really in alignment with that. That's cool. And just getting your brain used to the fact that there is community in this, whatever experience it is that you're looking to find community in. And then, you know, joining Facebook groups or joining programs, like whatever it is that you need to just Cause we're gaslit, right? Like we're gaslit by so many different structures and it's, it's about getting, getting real that like, okay, actually this is a problem. Everybody thinks it's a problem. And just the fact that, you know, the doctor or the whatever fancy, like, I don't know, public figure said that it's not an issue doesn't mean it's not like, that's one person saying, you know, their, their piece. So Um, It's just getting into communities that help you, help you just see. Cause when we, when we're not so worried about, am I crazy? What's wrong with me? Then we have the time and energy to do the work we're here to do, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, that's what we all need is because not only just not for the sake of productivity, but for the sake of feeling like we're contributing, feeling expressed, feeling like feeling in alignment, feeling in flow, you know? And, and that's, and that's all that's, that's everything. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. How, how can people find you and how can people work with you? Yes. Well, thank you for having me. This has been so fun, Darlene. I loved it. Um, so people can find me the best places on Instagram, uh, instagram.com slash Sarah zero Blake. So Sarah, S A R A H the number zero and then Blake B L A K E. And you can always send me a message and say that you found me through the podcast. I love to hear when people, (laughs) when people find me and then ways to work with me right now. um, The best way, well, depending on when this comes out, the best way would be to uh, either work with me one-on-one long-term. If you're like, oh, I really need some support with my energy and my, um, and my business and my work and my personal life coming up, bringing all that into balance, or I also do single sessions on cycle alignment. I have a session called recalibrate. That's 90 minutes, just a deep dive into figuring out how you can work a little bit better with your cycle. And then I have a 60 minute session called rise, which is more about, um, getting through some kind of creative block. And then whenever it opens next, which I think will be the spring of 2022, my group program flow create is a fan favorite. And it's just a beautiful experience of community education around cycles and then also a lot of like practical tools to kind of infuse cyclical living more into your life and then as you said too I have a free uh, blueprint that you can sign up for at the link in my bio um, or at sarahblakecreative.com that kind of just starts to get you used to looking at your work and and even your life from the, the framework of looking at different phases and I think that can be really supportive to just start to notice, okay, I can plan things a little bit differently instead of having really rigid expectations. So um, yeah, but I just, I love to connect with people in the DMs. So that's always a good place to start. And um, yeah, thank you again. Well, thank you so, so much for spending the time to chat to me. I'm just, I'm so excited to share this with everyone. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much.